So is Shang-Chi better in 3D? We'll talk about that and a lot more on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode one, two, three of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. We've got a bunch to talk about. Some stuff's been released. There were some shows that we've watched. One thing I want to start out with today is I did say that I was going to go back and see Shang-Chi, and I was going to watch it in 3D, which I did. Oh, okay. And there were some things that I did notice in the 3D version that I didn't notice in 2D. In modern 3D, there's this idea of what they call the fish tank. They want 3D to have depth. In other mm-hmm. words, you, you can see your background's like far away and your characters are about the level of the screen, but they seem separate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, when 3D first started out, the one thing they wanted to do was throw stuff in your face. Yes. Uh-huh. Which I have to admit is my favorite type of 3D, <laughs> and you don't get a lot of that in modern 3D. No, <laughs> but but what I have noticed is really good 3D is when there are particles floating around, mm-hmm. and I want to wave them away from my face. It's that immersive. Yeah. I like that a lot. Of course, you know, with the explosions, that debris falling down, and I think Avatar, those little floating, glowy plant animal things right in your face, and they make you want to wave my hand in front of my face. Yeah. The reason I mentioned that was in Shang-Chi, they did mostly a lot of what they called the fish tank 3D. And where it really shines is when you have scenes where you're high up off the ground and you start to get a little bit of that vertigo. Ooh, uh-huh. And there are a couple of scenes in Shang-Chi, if you've seen it, especially the fight scene on the side of the building, it hits different, obviously, uh-huh. when you when you can see how far down the ground goes. The first time that I experienced something like that was in the Tom Holland Spider-Man where he's hanging off the Washington Monument and he's having that moment where he's like he's only been Spider-Man for a while and heights aren't really... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's looking down and it's like, ugh, and I'm looking down and I'm going, ugh. Uh, You know, I was a little more sympathetic Mm -hmm. to, to Peter Parker's plight in the 3D version. It was a 3D IMAX version that I saw. And so oh, I was yeah. really, really sympathetic. Very, like nearly panoramic all the way wrapped around you. Yeah. Like all oh, the old, you know, I haven't been to an amusement park in probably two decades now. But in the 90s, I could remember those immersive where you're buckled into the seatbelt and the entire movie theater moves. Yeah. Turns you up on your side as you're falling down a waterfall. And so that's what that would remind me of. Getting maybe that William Castle stuff back. You know, next we'll have Aroma Vision. <laughs> oh, there you go. I will say there were a couple of scenes in the movie where there's a character who's fighting with a chain dart. There's something similar to that if you saw Kill Bill. Oh, that thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gogo Yabari. Mm-hmm. It was a morning star at the yeah, end of like the chain. A, yeah, like a mace. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's a dart, but there's also a weight on the other end of it. And there's a lot of these fight scenes. And there are a couple of times where the, the tip of the chain goes whizzing past your eyes. Nice. And you're like, oh, okay. I remember 3D could do that. I will say this. As much as I did enjoy watching the 3D version of it, and there were certain scenes that had a bigger impact, obviously, because of the 3D 
one of the problems, and I think we talked about this before about 3D, is that, of course, you're going to split the uh, intensity of the film because you have to split it between the two channels, the left eye and the right eye. So it's not going to be as bright. And there are some scenes in the movie that are kind of dark. And so some of the stuff gets to be a little more difficult to see because, obviously, the screen's not as bright. And so if you're at a theater that's a little bit older and they don't have, like, a really bright projector, there's going to be some scenes I think are just going to be too muddy and you're Mm -hmm. just not going to get the best view. The 3D experience is cool, but I would definitely do the 2D first so that you get to see everything and enjoy the story and then go back and see it in 3D if you want. Or 3D IMAX, which the nice thing about the IMAX is that screen is incredibly bright. And so with that, 3D is just perfect. But I enjoyed going back. Was it a bigger crowd this time? It was a bit bigger, yes. Mm, Did that change the experience? Did you get those cat picking up the hammer moments? Yeah, 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 definitely. And of course, it's breaking all kinds of records. Fantastic. And it's doing really well. It's probably going to be the film that makes the most money this year. Mm -hmm. Because, well, we're still in this limbo of people not knowing if they're going to start going back to theaters. And of course, with Delta variant COVID, it's looking like we may be going back into lockdown. And so they're already shifting movies around like Mm -hmm. crazy. I mean, You look at Venom, Let There Be Carnage. They've changed the date on this twice. They were were moving it to later, and then after Shang-Chi, they decided to move it earlier Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, people are going, so let's let's try to get it out earlier. But I think the release date now is in October, and by then, hopefully, (laughs) we'll we'll know know something. Yeah. Yeah, but speaking of movies, we've got a trailer for the new Matrix film. Yeah, getting lost in everything that's happening. I completely forgot that that was even a thing and happening until just the last few days. (laughs) Well, I have to admit that when I heard they were going to be doing a new one, I was intrigued a little bit. But at the same time, I've always felt that the Matrix was very much like Highlander. There can be only one. It was like Mm -hmm. the first one was the good one, and then afterwards, the quality wasn't as good. It, the story wasn't as compelling. Right. That's the way it was for me for Highlander. I loved the first movie. The rest of them, not so much. Mm-hmm. Now that we're revisiting this story, some of the things I've been hearing about this movie, I think that the Highlander reference is becoming more apropos because one of the rumors I'm hearing is that they are going to say that movies two and three of The Matrix never happened. Oh, Halloween it. They're going to retcon it. And I don't know if that's true or not. Or are we going to pull a Dallas, wake up, Bobby's in the shower, and it turns out that whole season was a dream. (laughs) (laughs) The second two movies, he was just dreaming while he was in a psych ward or something. Yeah, I mean, the the trailer does have me intrigued. Obviously, the technology has improved a great deal in the 20 years since The Matrix first came out in 1999. But at the same time... I mean, what those images were just amazing. We, of course, had never seen anything like that, uh, or at least a lot of it we didn't see if you hadn't watched a lot of Asian cinema, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of those influences, obviously, in mm-hmm. the movie. And to American audiences who maybe hadn't seen a lot of these Asian martial arts films and a lot of that cinematography, seeing it in The Matrix, of course, their minds were blown. They're like, this is incredible. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I I started college in 2001, and The Matrix was a big hit with literature and philosophy teachers. They just loved it in the the comparisons to Socrates and the allegory of the cave, and they loved using it as examples. Oh, yeah. Well, especially with The Matrix 2 and Matrix 3, there was a lot more talking and philosophizing. I know a lot of college thesis papers were written on the whole subject. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of YouTube videos about a lot of the philosophical undertones of the Matrix films, specifically the idea of determination and predestination as compared to free will. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that scene with the architect. Then again, a lot of people don't give crap about philosophy. They want to see things get blowed up real good. Mm -hmm. And flying through the air and and bending backwards and dodging bullets. Yeah. And for a lot of people, the philosophical side of that whole story flew over a lot of people's heads. Mm -hmm. And some of it flew over my head. It it took a lot of thinking about it and, you know, reading and research before I started to see some of it. Reality is the dream and the dream is reality, yes. Looking at the trailer, it does look like there's going to be some kind of a retcon because obviously Mm -hmm. Trinity and Neo are dead at the end of Matrix 3. Uh, Spoilers, by the way. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Sorry. 15 years. Here's another one, you know, Soylent Green is people. What? (laughs) But it does look like there's going to be some retconning going on. I mean, obviously, we've got both Neo and Trinity back, and they appear to be jacked into the Matrix because there's that one really quick blink and you miss it scene where you see Trinity in one of the pods, and she's all Mm -hmm. jacked in. Did what we see in the last films, was that the real Matrix? Because there's another theory is that Zion was actually a part of the Matrix and all those people are in the Matrix as well, imagining that they're not in the Matrix. And Neil Patrick Harris, I guess, is he a therapist? Uh, what's going on? Maybe some sort of avatar, some sort mm-hmm. of manifestation of the Oracle. Okay. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a possibility. That's, that's one of my mm-hmm. theories. But it also seems that both Trinity and Neo, their avatars are different than what we see. Because when you see Neo looking into the mirror, for a moment he sees another face looking back at him. And that may be what mm-hmm. the avatar actually looks like. He's just inhabiting it. His, okay. his consciousness is mm-hmm. inhabiting this other avatar. And Trinity may be the same. There's that scene where she screams and... And there's these four images, and two of them look like her, and two of them look like somebody else. So perhaps their consciousness in some way worked their way back into the Matrix, and in a sense possessing other people like the agents did. Mm-hmm. So we have this situation where there are uh, ghosts in the machine, if we <laughs> use that terminology. So certainly it's enough to get me interested. I'm curious to see what happens. It's being released around Christmas, so it's going to have the new Spider-Man movie as competition. Hmm, okay. But it's also a Warner Brothers film, so guess what? It comes out for free, right? Yes. Yes. Oh. It's so coming we'll get out that on for HBO. Free. <laughs> yeah, so we can stay home and watch it on HBO Max mm-hmm. for nothing again. <laughs> Eventually, Warner Brothers is going to stop doing this. Yeah. I'm not sure when. Mm-hmm. And again, with that release date, they're going to release Dune on HBO Max eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you recoup your money in that situation. Oh, I did see. Uh, sorry, when we were talking earlier, uh, I forgot that I had seen the uh, trailer for Wheel of Time. I haven't seen that trailer Okay. Yet. So what did you think about it? Well, it looked really cool and really interesting. I'm really excited about it. I'm not sure that what I read so many years ago was the Wheel of Time because this looks completely different than what I'm thinking that I read. And it was an old book. It, it had like the pages ripped off and stuff like that. So I thought it was the Wheel of Time, but now I'm not so sure. 
<laughs> well, that was one thing. When I heard that they were coming out with a Wheel of Time series, I thought, well, again, this is one of those books like Dune. You look at it and you're like, how in the world are mm-hmm. they going to put that out in a series? And they call it the Wheel of Time because it just keeps going on and <laughs> on and on. It just doesn't stop. <laughs> So I wondered. I, I really did wonder how they were going to set that up. I hadn't seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you how much of it seemed to you like it was like the book, and apparently not at all. Yeah, because what I remember was a young man and his village got burned down, so he had to travel with the glee man and had to hide his identity and stuff. And mm-hmm. this seems like a bunch of like almost like magical warrior women. Yeah. And maybe that was a different book in the series or something. I'm not sure. It, it still looks really good. I want to see it. You know, it feels like a... More lighthearted Game of Thrones, the way they've set it up, and the colors. Oh, the color story is just fantastic. Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out now in series. And, of course, they got Wheel of Time, and I've been following a little bit of the Interview with the Vampire series that's going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. And that interests me. And that's the thing. Sometimes people ask me about the podcast. They're like, you know, why you cover, like, Doctor Who and The Walking Dead and... Mm-hmm. And Marvel stuff is like, why don't you cover this? And there's just so much stuff out there Uh that we could really sit here for four hours and talk about all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it we'd have to watch first because, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. (laughs) But just as an aside for a moment, we did get the season finale for season five of Rick and Morty, which I did watch. I don't watch Rick and Morty, but I have seen pictures (laughs) of a certain... uh, Doctor, (laughs) a certain actor. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, because that series was supposed to be like a parody of Back to the Future. Yes, uh, like Doc and Morty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's Rick and Morty. So having Christopher Lloyd come in (laughs) to play Rick Sanchez was perfect because that was the joke. Mm Mm-hmm. You say you've never seen Rick and Morty. You don't know that I've, much about I've it. I've seen, you know, some episodes, but I don't, you know, faithfully watch it. But I have seen some episodes. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's one of those shows It's very nihilistic. It's very existential. It's one of those shows that you watch it. And some of the episodes you enjoy, and some of them it's like, enjoy may not be the right word. <laughs> because they take you through some things. <laughs> And, of course, this show was all about the multiverse long before Marvel got into the multiverse business. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, we have all these alternate versions of Rick Sanchez. And we have the Council of Ricks, which is a play off of the Council of Reeds, Reed Richards. So (laughs) it's all all based into that. And the irony of it, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of details, because especially if you've never seen the show before, I couldn't possibly do the season finale any justice because it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But apparently everybody's into destroying multiverses because their multiverse got destroyed <laughs> in um, in the season finale. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, I love the show. For people that are into this kind of thing, this is the kind of thing they're into. <laughs> Not everybody's going to be into it. There's a lot of philosophical overtones in this show that can go by some people, but it can be very nihilistic and it's it's very much beats the point home. Well, nothing really matters, does it, kids? <laughs> You're just a speck of dirt in a massive, massive universe that's one of millions. But you have this main character that feels like he is the center of all these universes. Because he is, as he says very often, I'm the rickest Rick there is. 
part of his character is he feels like he is the most important Rick in the multiverse, that he's the most true to what Rick is, the concept of Rick. Mm -hmm. And he has no problem calling himself God on several Mm, occasions. I knew he turned himself into a pickle once. Yeah, Uh, because he he absolutely could do that. Okay. You have a character with this incredible ego who feels like he can do anything that he wants and often has to pay the price for his hubris. It's one of those shows that I would love to recommend to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'd be doing a great disservice to some people. because you, <laughs> you need to go uh, watch some Futurama to cleanse your palate after that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like if you took the conscience out of Futurama. You'd get Rick and Morty. The dragon episode from last season's enough to make you go, oh. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh. Should you watch it? I'm like, uh, I'd, I'd have to know what your personality is <laughs> before I could recommend it. I think it's a very, very smart show. Mm-hmm. I love all the philosophical stuff that winds up in it. I love a lot of the Easter eggs and the references. Mm -hmm. It's one of those shows I think you would appreciate, Mm -hmm. but it's not a show I would feel comfortable recommending to you (laughs) (laughs) because you have a nice sunny disposition and personality (laughs) and a very positive outlook on life, and (laughs) I don't want to do anything to screw that up. (laughs) I really don't. But I will say that the season finale has basically rewritten everything about this show I was just stunned. It was glorious in its execution, (laughs) and it was everything I didn't know that I needed in that show. Hmm. But it certainly makes me wonder what the next season's going to look like. Well, we know one will be in the most 3D 3D that you can get. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But let's talk about a show that we do talk about. I am the Watcher. I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question. Does Marvel actually have it in for us? Is that what's going on? (laughs) Or what if, for short? (laughs) So after uh, a couple of depressing episodes, we get a depressing episode that was just simply what if zombies (laughs) we did finally get marvel zombies yep so what did you think i know you've seen it i loved it i loved it so much give me six episodes of this oh Oh, my gosh i I loved everything about it Uh, who is kurt i don't know is he oh well is he someone that i should recognize did you see ant-man okay yes you remember his three partners that he worked with yes Mm mm-hmm Kurt's one of them. That's Is why. He? He, that's why he had the shirt that said XCon. Oh my gosh. That's the name of the company. Okay. Yeah. It's so funny. It was great. The one-liners, and of course, when we get deny from Walking Dead, and you know, keep thinking, "Come on, Michonne, you'd know better than this." You know how this uh, works. Yes, and um, I love what they did with Spider-Man. He's got some great dialogue in there. The relationships were so adorable, and I enjoyed this one. You know, it mm-hmm. was depressing and sad, but I enjoyed the heck out of it. And, of course, the other connection to The Walking Dead is the Marvel Zombies comics were written by Robert Kurtzman, who wrote oh, The Walking, Walking Dead. Walking Dead, okay, so they yes. brought, They're mm-hmm. like, well, we're doing zombies. You've written comics about zombies. You mm-hmm. want to... And so they brought him in to do that. So and that... we got another train. Mm-hmm. We got Train to Busan, and then we got this year it's Walking Dead, and now we have Marvel Zombies. Everyone's on a train with their zombies now. Yeah. and mm-hmm. Even the cape. Oh, I'm so glad the cape's back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I know in some circles they started calling him Levi, short for levitation. Cloak Aww. of levitation. So some, oh, so I like, like oh. it. He's like, he's Levi. He's the cloak of levitation. Aww. He's Levi. I had seen somebody refer to the cloak as Levi, and I was like, <laughs> Levi? 
Oh, levitation. That's, that's adorable. That is adorable. So getting to see the cloak again mm-hmm. was cool. There was a lot of great stuff in there. I will say, though, and this is going to sound like this is a knock on this episode, and it's not. This may be a negative for some people. But if you're a fan of zombie movies, literature, this is basically, a, I'm not going to say like a rehash, but a lot of the greatest hits were in here. Mm-hmm. Some people may not like that. They may like, well, do something different with it. And I get that. Yeah, I mean, the the greatest zombie hits were definitely in there. You had the moments of your friends getting turned. Mm-hmm. You had that moment where somebody's loved one, somebody that they care about gets turned, and so they nurture them and feed them. Yes. The harsh part about all of this was we did get T'Challa back for a minute, and then, yes. then we got Chadwick Boseman a for a little bit mm-hmm. in a horrible way. <laughs> For a couple of reasons. One, they took something directly out of the Marvel Zombies comic, which was T'Challa getting cut up and fed to a zombie. But there were a lot of things from the comics. We had Scott in the jar instead of (laughs) Janet wound up in the jar in the comics. But there were certainly marks of the classic zombie tropes that we're used to. When uh, Kurt was talking about Baba Yaga and you see Vision, I'm like, oh no, don't tell me we're going to get this scene where he's feeding people to Wanda. And that's exactly what we got. So not much of a spoiler you know it, mm-hmm. for me i was like i kind of figured out that's where they were going mm-hmm. because it's a very classic zombie trope yes it was a little bit heartbreaking at the end when chadwick boseman says well in my culture death is not the okay. end for me that was like the hardest part of the whole show was hearing <laughs> him say that and i was like mm-hmm. oh here we go just remind me <laughs> but uh, i like i said i enjoyed it i enjoyed the humor in it there was definitely a bit of that Shaun of the dead vibe yep. in some places mm-hmm. <laughs> But that moment where uh, Vision says, she hasn't eaten for days. Yeah. <laughs> and the door shatters, and you see that long shot, and you get that boom. Mm-hmm. And there's this glowing red zombie, that, you know, with the weird tilt. And you're like, yep. there's a the lady, yes. And you know that's Wanda, and you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. Yes. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not going to be good at all. <laughs> you know, I enjoyed the ride. It's I, I've mm-hmm. said this many times. It's... I do love stories that surprise me, but I've never ordered a pizza and went, wow, I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Sometimes reliability and knowing what kind of experience you're going to get is just fine. And for me, that was just fine. I Mm -hmm. didn't have a problem with that at all. And uh, you certainly seem to have enjoyed it. Yes. The, the mechanics, you know, everything. Cutting cap in half with the shield and... uh, Oh, that line at the end. (laughs) The line at the end after... uh, that one, I was like, somebody was really messed up to, well, I guess this is the end of the line. Mm-hmm. I was like, you really did that? Mm-hmm. And you wanted to hurt us. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this. Here's one thing about this episode that really, really messed with me. That one scene at the end with Thanos being in Wakanda. Yeah. And I'll tell you why it messed with me. I'm pretty sure this is how this idea came about. I'm sure that the writers, they got together and were like, you know what would be really cool is if Janet brought the virus back from the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. And this is a quantum virus. And they're like, well, what else was going on at that time? It's like, oh, this was about the time when Thanos came to Earth, did the snap. And so we kind of have to put that in there, Mm -hmm. which makes everything horribly worse. And it's really messed with me because as a writer, I know that as messed up as it is to have Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet in the middle of this, and how messed up it is that you make him a zombie with the Infinity Gauntlet, as messed up as all that is, I know that if I were a writer in this situation and I came up with the idea, well, let's make this a quantum virus, Janet brought it back, and I look at the timeline and, wait a minute, Thanos is involved in this? 
I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> see, How could you not do that? It's too perfect. See, what I'm thinking is, though, okay, now he's a zombie, but he obviously has the cognitive skills to know what his plan was. But if he does it, he's getting rid of half of his food source. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, so he shouldn't, because then where are you going to get your fresh meat? I have a feeling if we get any more of this zombie stuff, Thanos' plan is not going to be to snap away half the universe. It's going to be to eat half the universe. Mm -hmm. And he'll have the ability to go anywhere that he wants, mm -hmm. eat as much as he wants. But And the problem, of course, is that he'll be leaving zombies in his wake everywhere he goes. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely some threads that were left. So there's a possibility that we may wind up seeing the zombies again yes. at some point in the series. But... Oh, boy. <laughs> this was one of those episodes where you're like, are we going to get a cherry one here eventually? <laughs> you know, Nope, uh, never. Now I'm curious about what the next episode's going to be. Let's see. So we got four episodes left? Yeah. Because uh, I think it's like, sure. Because uh, I think it's, it was going to be a 10-episode series. Because mm -hmm. of COVID, there was one they couldn't do. So it was nine episodes. So, yeah, that would be four more. Okay. So we're getting toward the end of it. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. But uh, since we're talking zombies... We definitely have to talk about The Walking Dead. Now, as I said before, because of AMC+, Plus, I've already seen episode four, which is going to air this Sunday. Yep. Mm -hmm. So in keeping spoilers low, I'm going to do uh, as much of a spoiler-free review of this episode as I can. Okay. So I'll, I'll mention some things generally. I won't go into an, uh, an awful lot about what's going on. But this episode, unlike the ones previously in the season, this basically follows one storyline. They don't jump back and forth. And this mm -hmm. is all this is all Daryl. Okay. If you haven't seen the episode from last season, uh, the little one-shots that they did toward mm -hmm. the end of the season, there was one with Daryl. And how he got dog. Aww. And there were some questions that were left hanging, some threads in that episode that get picked up in this one. So if you haven't seen that episode, there'll be some things that you'll probably catch up on. Mm -hmm. But some of the stuff won't have the impact unless you know about that one episode. Some of it, I will say, seems to be a rehash to me of Daryl's time with the Saviors. This situation is a little bit different. He's going more undercover, and so he runs into the Reapers. One of the things that, as you're very well aware, that I love is when a villain is sympathetic in some way, that you understand why they mm -hmm. do what they do. And there's a great scene toward the end of this episode where you see the head of the Reapers talking to Daryl, and he's explaining how they got to where they were. And you're like, okay, I can kind of see his side to things. Sympathetic to some degree. He's not a mustache twirling villain. There's no scene where he is obviously the bad guy, that they're going to bang it over your head, that he's mm -hmm. the bad guy. Like, I, I kind of like this. And then at the end, they have a scene where they turn that character into a mustache twirling villain. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, no. <laughs> this scene is nothing in the world but to say, see how evil this guy is? Mm -hmm. See how messed up this guy is? Right at the end, they basically wiped out what I really liked about the episode. Oh. Not saying I completely hate the episode, mm -hmm. but it was very disappointing that it looked like they were going to go down this road that was interesting mm -hmm. and then decided, no, we can't do that. We can't have people thinking that he might kind of be a good guy. So let's let's have him do something so heinous and awful. 
mm-hmm. that there's no doubt that he's the bad guy. But all in all, it w- I think it was a good episode. Okay. Hopefully I didn't spoil too awfully much. Mm-hmm. I, I try to keep things pretty general. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling after this we're going to go back into possibly the Commonwealth and getting more Excellent. information from yes. there. I guess we'll see what happens. And then um, this Sunday I'll see episode five. And we'll see where they go we'll from there. We'll see how it goes. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 123 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production.